98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport Podcast. It's a very big welcome to Now That's What I Call Sport on 98 FM. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with Jamie Moore. You've always got to play well when you put on the Irish shirt because you never know there's people that want to take that jersey off you. So every time you, you play, you just got to give it your all. Yeah, the voice there of proud Englishman Declan Rice and what it meant to him to wear the Ireland jersey. Now that's what I call sport here on Dublin's 98FM. We'll discuss the fallout from his decision to declare for England despite playing three senior friendly games for the boys in green. Ex-Ireland man Darren O'Dea will be here in just a second and believe me, you're going to want to hear what Darren has to say. 98FM's League of Ireland Sunday will hear the story of UCD star Evan Ozam's season-ending injury before the new campaign even began. Training Monday evening, um, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. Yeah, I was, I was buzzing to get going, looking forward to the season. But unfortunately, it happened, so I'll have to deal with it. We'll check in with all six Dublin clubs as the Premier Division kicked off this weekend and ahead of the start of the new First Division season this Friday. And then it's all about amputee football with the World Cup just gone, the new Irish season about to begin and the first ever amputee Champions League coming soon in which an Irish team will be playing. I think anybody who comes from a sporting background or, or, or somebody who's been active you know, and, and lost a limb, or even for somebody who's, who has lost a limb at birth and never had the opportunity to play football, this is huge, it is. Yeah, that's one of the main men behind the project, Christy McElliott from the FAI, who lost his own leg in a crash many years ago. The Dubs, Leinster and free Leinster tickets for you to win will also be on our agenda. 98 FM, now that's what I call sport. Yeah, there's only one place to start on though. That's what I call sport here on Dublin's 98FM this morning. And it's with the news during the week that Declan Rice has written to FIFA to officially ask them to change his international registration from Ireland to England. And to uh, review this story in more detail, we're joined by our Ireland expert and former boy in green himself, Darren O'Dea. Darren, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thanks, Jamie. Now, Darren, uh, just a, a quick part of Declan Rice's statement. This afternoon, I telephoned both Mick McCarthy and Garrett Southgate, the England manager, to inform them of my decision to submit a written request to FIFA for the transfer of my international registration from the Republic of Ireland to England. This has been an extremely difficult decision and, in all honesty, not one I ever expected to be making at this stage of my career. So much has happened so quickly in the past couple of years. Progressing through the West Ham United Academy to making my Premier League debut at the age of 18 in May 2017 and then being named in a full international squad just two days later. In recent weeks and months I've discussed the situation with the people who mean the most to me, my parents, my family, my girlfriend and my closest friends. I've also spoken to Martin O'Neill and Mick McCarthy, Gareth Southgate and to friends and colleagues within the game whose opinion I respect. I am truly grateful for the support that I've received in leading to this decision. Firstly Darren, your overall views on the statement and his decision and are you surprised by it? No, I'm not surprised. Um, he was a full international for Ireland, so if he was going to pick Ireland, um, and it was it was going to be a, a simple decision for him, he'd have just done it. And um, the fact that he was mulling over it, and for the length of time, um, it was obviously to probably to feel out England to see where the land lied with them. Um, no, I'm not surprised. I never I thought when it had gone this this far, I thought it, it would it was uh, inevitable really. Um, so no surprise uh, and then going back to the statement the statement is obviously professionally drafted um, it's it's kind of word perfect nearly too word perfect um, but it, it is what it is and, and he's made yeah because 
you know, in the last few weeks, you know, the FAI put out a tweet to wish Declan Rice a happy 20th birthday and they said Ireland International Declan Rice and he was in the New Ireland gear and I was 100% sure then that a decision was going to come, Darren, that he was going to declare for Ireland. He then signed his new contract with West Ham and again there were reports that his agents felt that if he was an England International he might get a better contract from West Ham. So he signed that new contract. He met Mick McCarthy and Robbie Keane. I think he would have been the next Ireland captain after Seamus Coleman had he declared for Ireland. So in my opinion, everything was leading towards him declaring for Ireland but unfortunately that isn't the case now why do you think he's chosen England? You, you, you're saying everything led to him declaring for Ireland all them actions you're talking about were coming from the Irish camp they weren't coming from Declan Rice um, they were coming from the, the amount of support he was getting from the FAI the amount of love if you want to call it that that he was getting that we were we were desperate for him to, to play for Ireland as you say I, I fully agree with you I could, him potentially being the next captain, certainly playing in in uh, a huge role in Ireland's future in football. But all them, the, the tweets and the stuff, that's from the FAI. That's not from Declan Rice. Declan Rice isn't saying, can you wish me happy birthday with an Ireland top on, please? It's it's coming from the FAI. They're trying to make him feel wanted, which he clearly was, and he knew he was. But, but the, the actual decision, I've seen the, the reaction to it, and I have to admit, I've, I've kind of and froed and I've, I've probably changed in the last while obviously the last one was Jack Grealish and I was quite um, vocal in terms of how dissatisfied I was with it I thought it I think your international career is is based off your heart not your head you're not thinking what's best for you it's, it's what you feel you are and what you want to represent and when I when I played for Ireland they're, they're by far the, the proudest moments of my career and I mean right through the age system not just the full national team the full national team was obviously the pinnacle, but I never, t- I never thought of Irish people going to games as fans. They were just, I was one of them, and I was the lucky one that was representing them. Um, and it was, I always, I obviously, I don't have, but I don't have the decision to make. He did, and I think the anger I felt with Jack Grealish, I don't feel with Declan Rice. I think people now need to understand that society and the world is different. We live amongst each other a lot more. It's the Ireland, Ireland itself. If we're gonna. Uh, whittle it down is a lot more cosmopolitan than it was when I grew up I was thinking back into my school days I can't remember anyone not being an Irish Catholic 100% Irish Catholic in my school there was one boy and it's funny he sticks in my head he was Nigerian he was the only guy in the school that I could say that was an outsider if you like I think people live within each other much days mixed marriages everything that this is normal and I do believe Jetton Rice feels very passionate about Ireland I don't think he's not been genuine with it. I do think it's been a tough decision. I think he's been advised by by people that are only thinking about his career and what's best financially and and also the overall picture for him. But I think Declan Rice is genuine. I think he is. He has a love for Ireland. He's a love for England. And for an Irish person, that's very hard to understand because there's a rivalry there with England. The flags, when I see an English flag, I grew up with it, obviously, at Celtic. When I see British and English flags, you're, you're, it's ingrained in you that you think, oh, that's the enemy. It's not the case anymore. Life's moving on. And and I think it's hard for, for Irish people to understand this. But, but that this is this is going to be the norm, that there's going to be people with allegiances at both camps. And, and I think the boy was genuine in fairness to him. He's made his decision and, and good luck to him. Yeah, he played for Ireland under 16s, under 17s, under 19s, under 21s and three friendly appearances for the senior team last year in 2018. The first of those being his, his uh, Ireland debut in a non-competitive game in March against Turkey. Let's hear now from Declan Rice-Darren who 
spoke to FAI TV. Now, this interview was recorded in 2017 when he was first called into the Ireland training camp by Martin O'Neill, and he was speaking to FAI TV and Darren McGinley. It's a, it's a dream come true. It's first day to play on Sunday, make my Premier League debut. It's something I've always wanted to do as a kid, and then to get the call from Martin to say that I'm going to come in for three days and train it's just a great experience to be here with the lads so my manager called me up and said Martin O'Neill's just called him and said that uh, wants to bring me in for three days just to have a little look and I was literally couldn't believe it I was with my dad and he was like what? he just <laughs> no one could believe it to be honest my family are so proud of I just wish my nan and granddad could be here to see it because they are from Cork and obviously this training camp is in Cork so it would have been lovely but unfortunately they're not here I've been over Ireland a couple of times in Cork they were from Douglas so when there for a couple of times and it's lovely to be honest and haven't been over recently but I'm going to look to get back over with my uh, mum and dad because I've still got some family over here. You've always got to play well when you put on the Irish shirt because you never know those people that want to take that jersey off you so every time you you play you've just got to give it your all. Yeah interesting words there there's people that want to take that jersey off you. Now after one of his three Ireland appearances at the Aviva Stadium I spoke to Declan in the mix zone after he uh, played for Ireland and it was around the time when the West Ham co-chairman David Gold had come out with a statement on TalkSport in the UK to say he wanted the new West Ham manager to make Declan Rice an England international. It's a question that keeps being asked, you know, I'm just just focused on, on playing at the moment and enjoying my football, that's the main thing, obviously the two games coming up in September, and we look forward to them. Did you hear the comments from West Ham that they want you to try and, or the new manager to make into an England international, and what did you, did no, you make was, of your... No, it was just, you know, he was on talk, talk talking, and it's, it's one of them things, you know, he's just come out and said it, I'm not going to take too much by it, you know, he, he can say that, obviously that's his opinion, but I'm here tonight, I'm playing for Ireland, and, you know, I've just been focused on doing that, playing in the Turkey and France game. Yeah, the assistant manager Roy Keane spoke to us during the week and he said he was very surprised by the comments that you're Irish and you're playing for Ireland, which all of us Irish people were happy to hear. You you do see yourself as an Irish international and hopefully once that competitive debut comes, it'll be the end of the question. Yeah, I, f- I think it was, it was off topic, you know, for him to, to come out and say that. You know, I did hear Roy's interview the other day, but I don't try to think too much about it, you know. I don't want to take too much pressure onto myself or put pressure on myself. I just want to keep playing, enjoying my football and, and playing with a smile on my face, and I think that's the main thing I've got to do. Finally, for me, it's a, a new period for Ireland with the likes of, of John O'Shea retiring and others. Do you really feel that there's a chance for you to, to nail a place in the squad, whether that be at centre-back, a back three or a midfield? Yeah, the manager's been playing me in midfield. You know, Turkey game, he played me at the back, and, you know, it's up to him where he wants to play me in the future. Like I said, I just want to keep playing and getting minutes under my belt and playing international football I think that's the main that's the main objective you're on there. That's what I call sport on 98FM. It's J.B. Moore on Sunday with Darren O'Dea, former Ireland international. That was myself speaking to Declan Rice last summer after one of his three appearances in the Ireland senior team in a friendly, but of course he is now declared for England and won't be in the green of Ireland anymore. Now, Darren, we know that Mick McCarthy and Robbie Keane met Declan Rice and his dad recently and Mick came out to say that he felt there was a positive meeting. How disappointed will he be that Declan has chosen England and how much of a blow to this is, how much of a blow to the Ireland team is this now given we've got a Euro 2020 campaign campaign to come and I'm sure Rice would have started every game had he declared for us yeah it probably it probably makes it a little bit um, even worse the fact that his form at the minute in the in the Premier League is fantastic he's he really made an impact in the West Ham team um, yeah it's a bit it's a big blow um, but they, there's been a lot of energy put into it and a lot of a lot of time um, both probably more so from Martin O'Neill um, in fairness and Roy Keane, and, and obviously with the new staff in, they've they've done their utmost as well. But listen, I, I'm very very clear with this. I'm I'm not disappointed at all because I don't I don't I would prefer. And I've said this before. It might sound bizarre. See, it, with club football, 
yes, results results is the be all and end all. It's not for international football for me. It's about having the best the best representation you can for your country. Declan Rice is no longer Irish to me. He's no longer an Ireland international. He's not available. I, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I prefer go out with boys that want to want to represent the flag, um, and he doesn't. And that's that's the simple. But as I said, I'm 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 sounding very very blunt with it. But that's how I I see it. And also, I'm defending him on the others because I understand that he does have allegiance to both of them. But now he's made his decision. The problem for me is the decision should be have to be made miles before. I don't care football. We talk about um, making the age at such a young age. Well, <clears throat> footballers. I retired by the time they're 35. We have to accept that the football is played at a very young age and a naive, probably age. Um, you could say the decision needs to be made. You can't make a, a first team, a first team appearance, whether it be a friendly or whatever. You cannot make a first team appearance. It's, it's bizarre, I think, and that's probably where a lot of the frustration comes because you see him playing for the actual country. And he, I mean, I don't doubt that the interviews you're doing, how proud he was and his family were, but ultimately. The boy felt English um, more so, and probably felt more of a an allegiance there, and that's fine. But I have no, I have no, uh, I won't look back. And if we don't qualify for 2020, I won't, I won't wish that we had Declan Rice. We'll move on, and uh, there's plenty of plenty of people, and the ones that want to represent Ireland will pick the best eleven to go out on the pitch each time, and that's what it's all about, and that's what they, what they're doing. They're representing a the country. They're not playing for a club. So um, no, I'd be, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. We move on now. It just took a. Too much time, like it did with Jack Grealish, um, but I understand that you're kind of you're bang to rights because you're waiting on the boys' decision, and obviously he would have been a, a big asset for us if he had a chosen, but he didn't. So let's move on. Yeah, strong stuff there from Darren O'Dea on the Declan Rice situation. Darren, thank you so much for your time. And of course, you'll be back with us across the year. The uh, first Euro 2020 qualifier for Ireland away to Gibraltar on March 23rd before we welcome Georgia to the Aviva Stadium for Mick McCarthy's first game back. And his first ever game really managing Ireland at the Aviva Stadium, of course, because uh, back when Mick was the manager previously, we played at Lansdowne Road. So Darren, we'll talk to you closer to the time. Thanks a million. Brilliant, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, now that's what I call sport on 98 FM. It's Jamie Moore here on Sunday. Nathan Meal is beside me. Nathan, how are you? Good morning, sir. Now, on a total aside, um, your mum and dad know you work on the radio, correct? I would hope so. And they know that the show is on between 9 and 10 on a Sunday? I would hope so. So why is my dad trying to FaceTime me right now? Because he doesn't know, because you don't tell him. Well, he normally listens. So, Dad, if you're listening or watching, I'm actually currently presenting the show, so I'll FaceTime you after 10, but thanks for that. Thanks for letting me know on that as well, that your dad's just keen to speak to you. My dad hasn't texted me at the Maybe he's ringing us to uh, give us his views on Declan Rice. I, I'd say he's, uh, his views would be very colourful, considering... Uh, his snakeness. <coughs> yeah, now we, we, we couldn't actually uh, air your actual thoughts because the language would be so bad at this time. <laughs> but in a way that is acceptable at this time, what are your thoughts as an Ireland fan on this decision? I know it's very disappointing, but we need to move on, as Darren Adi said there. Yeah, we do, but it's it's you're allowed to mourn, as they say, because the thing that gets me the most is the fact that he said he's a proud Englishman. That's the real thing that got to me, because if you were... It's not like he was middle-aged and he was pushing towards desperation for a call-up. He made the d- decision when he was 16, so it's just that proud Englishman comment that really got me. Yes, and now, uh, thank you for that, Nathan. Competition time on the That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. We've got a pair of tickets for you to win to go and see Leinster against the Cheetahs in the Pro 14 on Friday, March the 1st at the RDS. If you'd like to win, nice and simple, text or WhatsApp the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and the number you need is 0877 98 98 98. That's the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and text or WhatsApp to 0877 98 98 98. More info on leinsterrugby.ie. Now on the way after the break on 98FM's League of Ireland Sunday, all six Dublin clubs 
clubs plus UCD's Evan Ozam on the season-ending injury he picked up just four days before their first game of the new campaign. And then we'll find out about the FAI's Amputee League which kicks off its second ever season in Dublin next weekend. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store Ilax Centre 98 FM Good morning, welcome back 25 past 9 or just before so on Sunday in Dublin. It's a bright morning out there. The sun is trying to come out anyway. Nathan, the Dubs Hurlers, their third Alliance National Hurling League game taking place later on. Yes, indeed. Matty Kenny's men make the trip to Pierce Stadium for the two o'clock throw-in as they take on the tough test of Galway. Elsewhere, the Dublin Camogie are in action as well. They take on Limerick at 2.45pm in the Little Woods, Ireland. It's a double header after the Inter game, which also sees Dublin face off against Anstrom. That throws in at 1pm. Both games on in Parnell's GAA club. So if you can, get out and support the girls in green Leinster, in blue I should say in, uh, the girls in green the, girls in the green, Ireland yeah. team are not playing that's next weekend thanks, in the Six Jay. Nations thanks Jay yeah well done for that the girls in blue now speaking of blue a nice segue there Nathan Thank Leinster you. won again last night am they, I great yeah yeah brilliant brilliant they beat Zebra t- 40 points to 24 in a somewhat nervy affair they dominated the first half an hour scoring three tries Max Deegan Dave Kearney and Ross Bourne all running across but the Blues switched off as Zebra scored three tries in eight minutes to send the sides in 21-19 at half time it was a tough second half but some good Leinster play saw Leo Cullen's men score three more tries through Scott Fardy Conor O'Brien who looked very impressive and the second for Max Deegan they made hard work of it but it was a good win for Leinster elsewhere Ulster had an impressive 8-0 win away to the Ospreys Munster dominated the Southern Kings 43 points to nothing and the Cheetahs against Connacht finished 25 points to 17 at the Galway Sports Ground so a win for all provinces in action Yeah and if you want to win a pair of tickets to go and see Leinster against the Cheetahs at the RDS on Friday March 1st text or WhatsApp the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and the number you need is 0877 98 98 98 Nathan the Aviva Stadium this week some big news an announcement of a match between the Liverpool legends and the Arden legends in aid of the Sean Cox appeal to try and help his treatment of course the Liverpool fan from Dunboyne in County Mead who uh, suffered life-changing injuries in an attack by uh, some Italian football fans outside Anfield and uh, we have some news on ticket prices where you can get the tickets and then we're going to hear from a Liverpool legend himself Yes, the, that game is set to take place on the 12th of April in the Aviva Stadium Tickets went on sale through Ticketmaster on the 14th of February so you can get them now The game will kick off at 7.45 Ticket prices start at €20 Euro for adults Under 16s will be €10 Euro, and a family ticket for two adults and two children will be priced at €70 Euro so make sure you can get out and support the Sean Cox Trust yeah really looking forward to uh, seeing that game and as are two Liverpool legends who will be involved in it and they have been speaking to off the ball's own sheet Friday April the 12th it is the Irish Legends 11 versus the Liverpool Legends 11 it is in aid of the Sean Cox Rehabilitation Trust and as you can see Jason McIntyre and Ian Rush are with me lads how are things? Good, yeah, really good. good. Uh, lads, I guess we'll start with the match and with the Rehabilitation Trust. And Ian, I guess what we've seen over the last couple of months is just the unbelievable power and support of the footballing community off the pitch. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about. I think really uh, we all know uh, Liverpool, the, the supporters, uh, they're massive worldwide. You know, and uh, when you come to Ireland, uh, you feel like you're in Liverpool. There's that many Liverpool supporters here. <clears throat> but it's, um, for something like this, uh, we all stick together. We all get together. And like like the, f- the famous saying, you know, you'll never walk alone. And when you get a situation like this, um, we've all got to muck in and do our, do our work and help Sean's rehabilitation. Yeah, you Friday. can watch that full interview on uh, Off The Ball's YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash off the ball now it is time for League of Ireland Sunday League of Ireland on 98FM
The best place on the radio for the SSE Airtricity League. Thank God the greatest league in the world is back and it was back with a bang this weekend with five Premier Division games in front of huge crowds. The five stadiums all packed. 17,792 fans turned up uh, to watch the games and really enjoyed being at Richmond Park myself watching St. Pat's in action. We'll talk about that game in a moment. But firstly, Bohemians in Dublin at Taylor Park beat Finn Harps by a goal to nil in front of the watching Robbie Keane. Dinny Corcoran got the winner for the Gypsies. Of course, he was on this show last weekend. Here's the thoughts of their manager, Keith Long. Obviously, I think we can improve from a performance perspective and uh, I'm really, really pleased with the result, the outcome, three points. Um, you know, it's a, it was a very tough game. Obviously, Finn Harris, a promoted side, coming here. Um, you know, the expectation around around our club was that we were... We were um, you know, expected to, to pick up the three points. So, um, but Finn Harps coming here, we know they're a strong, dogged side. The organised, you know, we're going to test you. It's a place, long throw ins. Um, you know, it, the nature of the game was a little bit scrappy. But you know, we've we've come out. We probably should win the game, maybe a little bit more comfortably. We we had the most clear cut chances in the game, particularly, um, you know, into the second half, um, which makes the game probably a little bit easier for us potentially if we take those chances. And um, you know, but we've hung on in the end. We've had to defend. We've had to win some headers. Our keepers had to. You know, come and claim some long, long balls into the box. So, so I'm pleased we've got our season off to a to a good start. Shamrock Rovers beat Waterford two one thanks to a 93rd minute winner from a new signing Austrian super sub Orhan Vokic. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Aaron Green got Rovers' first goal, and he's been reflecting on that dramatic win and the massive crowd, biggest crowd of the weekend, 4,152 fans packed into the RSC to watch this one. Delighted to get the win first and foremost to start us on a positive note for the season I think everyone wants to start that way and I thought we performed really well for me just to win the game was great for our to start the season and um, to kick us on now for next week against Derry but um, it was really good and as, as you said there the crowd and stuff unbelievable crowd from the reports I think all around the league it's great as well Inchy Car packed Dundalk packed, Bohemian, Daily Mount as well, like and of course up in Derry and it's great it's great for us as players in this league, you want to showcase your talent in front of that. And the Rovers fans that we brought down there, incredible everywhere they go as well. So it was great to send them home. Um after the Waterford game with the three points especially for us as well but yeah and hopefully we get a good crowd next week because that's what we want to be doing to, in this league, you know, you want to be playing in front of these big crowds and hopefully these fans can keep coming because there's a lot of good football on people's doorsteps that they probably don't realise so it's really good and um, for us we just focus on next week and we have a good game against Derry and just look forward to that Yes, St. Pat's beat Cork City 1-0 at Richmond Park. Mikey Drennan's penalty got the winning goal there, a game I was at, as well as the Ireland manager Mick McCarthy, who enjoyed a nice cup of tea and a biscuit at halftime. He said he loved the atmosphere, as did the Super Saints boss Harry Kenny, who's been speaking to at St. Pat's FC's Twitter page. Absolutely delighted with the result. Um, as you're saying from tonight, the lads uh, worked their socks off to get the result. There wasn't a whole pile of quality in the game. A uh, bit disappointed with the actual passages of play that we had, but in saying that... Um, I'm delighted with the result and we defended fantastic towards the end of the game. The commitment was second to none right from the start. Um, we had a, a game plan that sort of worked well and uh, being an old defender myself, I'm absolutely delighted to get a clean sheet. So hopefully uh, those three points will uh, go towards getting us up the table. Yeah, so wins for Bowes, Rovers and St. Pat's, but not unfortunately for newly promoted UCD. They were well beaten 3-0 by Derry City at the Brandywell, the Ryan McBride Brandywell up there. And their manager, Collie O'Neill, has been speaking to RTE Soccer on Twitter and says they need to learn quickly. Probably just lack of experience. That's all it was. We have to learn quick. Um, we don't have much time to feel sorry for ourselves. It's an extra level. 
and we um, I think ability wise I think we can adjust but it's just education right decisions right time being naive at times I think we just need to learn learn very quickly it's the greatest league in the world League of Ireland on 98FM Training Monday evening, um, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. Um, it's coming towards the end of this session. We we're just playing five sides, and I just uh, received the pass, took a touch, and I stepped back to just look up, and I just felt the sharp pain in my Achilles, and I thought someone had kicked me, and I looked around to see who it was, and no one there. So I kind of I knew straight away that something bad, and I thought that it was the Achilles. So this happened literally four or five days before the new season was going to start. Like you couldn't pick worse timing. Yeah, I was I was buzzing to get going, looking forward to the season, but unfortunately, it happened. So I have to deal with it. So when something like this happens and it's kind of an unexplained injury in that no one was near you, nobody kicked you. What actually happens in your head and what happens in in the immediate minutes after you realise something was wrong, but you weren't quite sure what was going on. Yeah, well, to be honest, I kind of, I knew nearly straight away that the Achilles had, that was a rupture. Um, and as well, I knew that it would be kind of a long time out, so I kind of got to terms with it quite quickly and just said I have to deal with it, there's nothing I can do, so, yeah. And things moved quite quickly from the injury happening in a nighttime session to an operation very shortly afterwards. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I went to St. Vincent straight away, which is only around the corner from UCD um, and I got seen to quite quickly there and they just confirmed that it was the Achilles had ruptured so they said that I needed to get the operation quite soon I think they said within 48 hours um, and yeah luckily I got it done the next day on the Tuesday the Tuesday morning so I went quite quickly Why did it have to happen within 48 hours? Um, they said that there was a chance that the, the tissue could die the Achilles if it wasn't done quickly so but luckily I did, I got it done within less than 24. Okay, so you've had your scan, you've had the worst <clears throat> news told to you. Who tells you that and how do they break it to you? Do they try and tell you, like, softly or do they just get straight to the point and tell you what you kind of already knew? Well, the physios came out to me on the pitch at UCD and um, there's a test that they can do where uh, basically they just squeeze your calf and if your Achilles is intact, your foot should kind of point down and if it's... If there's a rupture, no, there'll be no movement. So they did that and they kind of just told me straight away that there was some sort of a tear there. And then when I went to the hospital, they confirmed it as well. That was completely ruptured. What are your immediate thoughts when you hear that news, like four days before the season starts? Yeah, it was good. Like, um, But as I said, I just tried to get to terms with it as quickly as I could. Like when it happened first, I was, like, I was upset, but I kind of quickly just said to myself it's done now so I'll just get on with it this isn't the first time you've had a serious injury it's actually the third give us the timeline of your your previous two and you've just had a, a really you know poor couple of years look wise because you're still only 21 and you've missed a lot of football in the last couple of years yeah uh, 2015 the end of 2015 I tore my ACL um, and missed uh, just over a year with that so I missed all of 2016 then to start the last season I picked up an ankle injury and missed the first half of the season so yeah, I've been unlucky enough the last few years but it is what it is In college you've been learning about this it's like awful irony that it's actually happened what had you learned about this injury before it happened to you and when had you actually learned it? 
It was literally Monday morning. Um, we had a lecture just about tendons and different injuries. And yeah, the Achilles was mentioned and just kind of what happens when the injury happens and a little bit about the rehab, not too much, but just that it is quite a long time. So I knew straight away that I was going to be out for a good while when it happened there. Yeah. You knew straight away what the repercussions were because you're starting to be a physio. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really weird. Like it was literally that morning that I learned about it. So I don't know if it's fate or whatever, but I'll have a, a good idea of the rehab now anyway, so that's one good thing. Yeah, so the news broke on Monday night into Tuesday morning as well, and, and since then Evans had a huge reaction on social media from the PFAI and the club, and a lot of his former teammates and current teammates have tweeted and, and stuff to kind of wish you the best of luck, and that support this week has been massive, so you tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um I think it was kind of Tuesday morning that most people would have found out because the League of Ireland lunch was on and I think that's when it kind of broke. Um, so I was getting my operation Tuesday so it was probably Tuesday evening by the time that I kind of got my phone again and yeah, I just had so many messages from loads of different people from football and family, friends and yeah, it was just it was nice to get that support there. What type of support and, and what type of help should I say can that support be knowing that literally the whole league is, is thinking about you and even though it, it can't physically help the injury it's it's nice to know that people are kind of there for you yeah exactly it's just nice to know that people are thinking of you and offering their support um, I kind of got a few texts from people that have had um, injuries like that just kind of explaining to me um that it is a long road but you know like that they've got through it and I'll get through it as well like. what is facing you over the next number of months the next year the, you know the time scale involved and the amount of work involved that unfortunately you know all too well about you know lonely times in the gym and on the physio table and away from the lads yeah well at the minute I'm just in a cast and on crutches so I'll be in the cast for about two weeks and then when I come out of that I'll be in a um, a, boot, a prote- protective boot for probably six weeks so during that time there'll be <clears throat> pretty much no rehab it'll just be kind of letting it set and then once I come out of the build it'll just be um, kind of getting the range of motion back in the ankle and stuff and then just building up the muscle and eventually getting back to running and more kind of functional stuff on the pitch but yeah it'll be a long enough road Have you put a time scale on it yet in your head or are you still in the, in the process of trying to come to terms with it all? Uh, not really yeah um, the surgeon said to me that it could be anywhere up to a year, but kind of doing research and chatting to people, I think eight, nine months is kind of um, the maximum that anyone that I've spoken to has said. So um, just I'll see how it goes. I'm not really thinking that far ahead at the minute, but hopefully um, it won't be too long. And yeah, like you've been waiting so long to play Premier Division football. I know when you were overseas, you, you probably had a couple of appearances in the Premier League then, did you? Or was it just a couple? Yeah, uh, yeah, three, three okay, appearances. So Evan would have been 16 or 17 at that time and played for Shells on, on loan in the First Division. And I think, was in, were you in the First Division team of the year? Or you, you had a really good season, certainly, anyway. And, and then has been at UCD for the last couple of seasons. Has had a couple of injuries, but had a really good second half of last season. So you're, you're kind of in the week leading up to what you've been building towards for a few years. And then you get that blow, but you, you seem mentally strong to you know you just want to get back and, and even though it's such a blow you don't seem overly you know you seem as if you're, you're already initially disappointed and you're now focused on the road back is that fair to say yeah definitely um, as I said at first it was you know hard to come to terms with but um, yeah look I've had probably worse before with the ACL 
so I think that's I'm prepared mentally like I know what's going to be ahead of me um, and I still have to remember like that I still am only young I'm only 21 so hopefully I'll have a long career ahead of me yeah, that's UCD's Evan Ozam, who unfortunately will miss the entire season after rupturing his Achilles tendon in training on Monday. Speaking to us here on League of Ireland Sunday on 98FM, the Premier Division fixtures for this coming weekend, all on Friday, 7.45 kickoffs: Cork City against Waterford, Sligo Rovers against St. Pat's and UCD against Bowes at Dublin Derby. Can't wait to watch that game at the UCD Bowl. While at 8 o'clock, Finn Harps welcome Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers host Derry City. Now, the first division season kicks off this weekend also with five games at Lone Town Wexford, Cabin TD against Bray Drotter, against Cove Galway hosting Shelburne and Limerick against Longford all of those games kick off also at a quarter date two Dublin clubs in the first division this coming season Shelburne the bookies favourites to win the league along with Bray so what does Shell's new signing Luke Byrne think of that yeah look at the start of every season no matter what level it is where it is someone's going to be paying his favourites and uh We'll let people do the talking. Uh, we know how hard we've worked. We know we've gotten the dressing room. Of course, you know we want to get promoted. We want to win the league. But uh, if people have put us on a mantle, that's that's their decision. But uh, we're not going to treat ourselves as these uh, this runaway favourite like other people are speaking about us. Away to Galway in the opening game as well. Your thoughts on that trip down to Amadisi Park? It's always a place I've enjoyed going to play. Yeah, it's always a good pitch. Um, should be a good game it's the first night of the season everyone thinks they've got a chance of you know going on and having a great year everyone's full of optimism so I'm sure they'll come and they'll be full of, full of energy but we've just got to match that now from Shelburne to Cabin Teeley heading into their fifth ever League of Ireland season as a League of Ireland senior club they began their they begin their campaign should I say against Bray before facing Shelburne the two title favourites the Cabin Teeley director of football and first team manager is Mr Pat Devlin yeah, you know, very difficult. You just take each game as it comes, to be honest with you, Jamie. I mean, uh, Bray, it's really Cavendini versus St. Joseph's. I know they won't like me saying that, but it is. And it's quite a unique game for the Borough, and uh, it should be quite interesting. They've signed very well, and they're a good side. And it's not the Bray I knew, but it, it's a, it's a, it's Bray Wanderers and it's Cavendini. So uh, it'd be quite intriguing getting a couple of points there. It'd be well worth it. And the playoffs obviously are important for all clubs like Cabinteely who might not win the league, but if you can be in the hunt for fourth come the final series of games, you'll be happy to try and give it a real go. Well, look, like everybody else, we're going to be there to win the league, but I do, I do totally agree with you. If we get to the playoffs, it'll be a fantastic season. And Pat, just finally, the the off season break has been quite long. How excited are you again? You know, you've been in the league for I don't know how many years, just to actually really get going again with your team again for 2019. Yeah, we've been off since September, but it, was, it doesn't feel like that to be quite honest. Because you know, players are gone from you trying to re-sign players, you're trying to organise gear, equipment, training facilities, and so on. And yeah, but it's been a long time. But here we are. We're right on the top of it now, and we're looking forward to it. We'll be hearing from all ten first division clubs, plus a full interview with Evan Ozam and Preston and Ireland star Sean Maguire will join us on our. League of Ireland podcast, which you'll find on our website during the week. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport talks League of Ireland. On the way after the break, we'll be hearing how amputee football in Ireland is going from strength to strength. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store, Ilex Centre, 98 FM. You're very welcome back. Just before quarter to ten on Sunday morning in Dublin. Now, the brand new Irish amputee League of Ireland season kicks off in Dublin next weekend with uh, lots of clubs involved. The game's taking place next Saturday. We'll hear more about those in a moment. The main man behind the project is the FAI's Christy McElliott, who I sat down with at the EV 
the stadium recently as the FAI marked 500 days until Euro 2020 and launched their volunteer programme. The Amputee League in action next weekend. Ballymun United kick off at 2 o'clock with Cork City Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers in action. Let's hear all about it now. Christy, speaking of big competitions, talk us through the Amputee World Cup in Mexico, which you guys were at, finished 13th in the end, I think, in a win over Italy in the 13-14 place playoff as well. We spoke to a couple of the players around the time of it as well. Just haven't had some time to look back on it now. An amazing couple of weeks over there. Oh, it was fantastic. You know, um, I think that the event itself was uh, went off uh, really well. You know, uh, we were, you know, we were really looking forward to the competition itself. We prepared really well for it. Did you know? So, so to finish 14th was was huge for us. Um, you know, I definitely think, and this, um, without selling too big headed or you know or blowing their own trumpet you know I definitely think we're a top 10 team in the world um, we're, we're ranked 6th in Europe you know and you know we finished that event uh, you know finishing 14 to you know one or two of the games didn't go for us which, which you know we have to expect sometimes and um, we'll just take it on the chin but definitely um, everybody really enjoyed it you know with the football we played we prepared really well for it uh, was exceptional and um, you know a couple of the pitches probably were a bit disappointing surface wise but other than that it was you know fantastic the people in Mexico really really took the game uh, to the next level supporters wise and were were really enthusiastic you know every game we played there was a great atmosphere you know we were really loved you know and anywhere we went the players it was probably you know, I'm not, I'm not long involved in amputee football, probably six years, and I think the players as well. And I think this is their platform for their players to, to look and perform like professional footballers. And uh, and the supporters definitely made them feel that way. You know, everywhere they went, they were they were asked for uh, you know signatures and you know and photographs and you know which is which comes with our game. It does itself. You know, when we play in major competitions and European Championships and World Cups. So you know, for for us, it's it's you and your players feel really, you know, um, really important. You know, they're important to us in our game, but they feel really important from from the other, with the other countries. You know, in in that environment. So uh, when they come out of that environment, it's really difficult them for for them to settle back into their their natural um, everyday, you know, work and you know whatever else they do. So it's really important for them. Um, but yeah, they loved it. Yeah, Amity Football in Ireland founded in 2011 and Chrissy's been a major driver of that. For those listening, Chrissy, or watching, you can watch us on our YouTube channel as well. I know you spoke to us before as well. Just give us a quick overview of Amity Football, what it is, and, and there's a couple of you know, specific rules for goalkeepers and outfielders. And, and you know, the first time I asked about it, I wasn't aware that players actually played on their crutches, but they do, and, and there's lots of other you know, bits and bobs around of the rules to, to try and make it as, as uh, enjoyable as possible for the players. Yeah, I think, look, you know, when we mention amputee football, first of all, um, most people think you just have to be an amputee to play. You know, and that is, that's, that's kind of right, but also, you know, somebody who's born with a leg defect or an arm defect, you know, where the leg hasn't formed properly or the, or the arm hasn't formed properly, um, or is a bit shorter than Judah, can play. You know, but they play. We play on crutches, so so everybody must participate in crutches. Bar the goalkeepers, goalkeepers are one arm goalkeepers, uh, so they they have you know one arm tucked away, um, or if it's gone below from the wrist, the arm has to be tucked into the jersey. If it's gone from the elbow, same again. But if it's gone from the shoulder, there's no need to you know. But uh, but yeah, and and the game is played on on an astro turf or grass pitches. Um, at the moment, that's where we, that's the way we play. Uh, you know, the the games themselves, 
from an international point of view are 50 minutes long 25 minutes and a half um, but in our league you know we have our three teams in Bowes Cork City and Shamrock Rovers and we play in you know we've now introduced it to a six aside um, this year you know as opposed to five aside last year um, we're not ready really at the stage yet where we want to throw another team into it just yet until we get the players more players come in um, we just want to make sure that every team that has a six aside team also has substitutes involved in that It'd be very easy for me to say, okay, let's have four teams and divide all the players we have. But if one player gets injured, you know, we have to change the whole format of it. So we don't want to do that. So it's better for us to have extra players involved in the other teams. Um, there is a team, you know, who, who want to get involved, who, you know, a club, should I say, not a team, a club who want to get involved, Glen Torren, who are looking to set up an amputee football team. Some of our players play up for, are from the north, the north um, who play in their international team, which is great for us. And hopefully we can then introduce Glenthorne into it. Um, and if we do, that'll be our four team. We also have a couple of players who are involved in Limerick, you know, and maybe going down the line we could, you know, when we sp- speak to a couple of the Limerick sides, maybe Limerick FC, who knows, um, and see if they want to come on board, see if they're interested in coming on board. Um, to care for the players that are there so we don't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves you know we don't want to make sure we get all these teams and then we don't have any players to fill the teams so you know it's more important for us to try and gradually you know encourage as many players as many people out there who are amputees to get involved with us and to show them that the game is really great and that they can play uh, most people seem to think I think that uh, it's it's a uh, it's a bit difficult you know maybe they think they can play on the prosthetic and they're not too happy about that or maybe they they're not happy about not playing on the prosthetic you know I don't really know because we you know we haven't had a situation where people have came and talked to me everybody who's involved with us has, has said to me that at this moment in time that they are they understand you know when they read about it that they understand that the game is played on one leg on crutches so you know anybody who's out there who does want to get involved you know you can, it's always ways of contacting us on our Facebook page and also, you know, through the FEO yourself. So. Yeah, just search Irish Amputee Football on Facebook or Twitter and you, you'll find the lads as well. Now, Christy, we were hoping that Shamrock Rovers or Bowes might win the first league cause for Dublin, of course, um, but they didn't. Cork City, the champions, and as a result, this May, Cork are going to play in the first ever, I think I'm right in saying, Amputee Champions League, which is going to be amazing. So talk me through what that's, what that's going to be like for them this summer. Yeah, I look at Cork City, it was a, mark, a remarkable achievement for them, it was. You know, they were always knocking on the door with Bowes. Bowes had, were ahead by a point going to the last game of the season. Um, Shamrock Rovers couldn't, couldn't win it, but they could possibly finish second. And Cork City, you know, what could have even eventually finished either second, third or fourth. So, it was, you know, we couldn't have planned it, the, a better finish to the season. Um, but, you know... Cork beat Bowers, Bowers in the last game um, with a 1-0 uh, win and they went in to the Champions League which is in Georgia now Cork City put in a bid as well to host it in Cork and unfortunately just fell short of, of one or two of the requirements but you know for them it was it was a great achievement for them to, to actually win the league but also you now they're going to play in the first ever Champions League which is huge you know it's huge for a team that's just in its infancy in amputee football to go now and, and represent Ireland in the Champions League or our, our, our team in Ireland in the Champions League um, is, is fantastic like you know we have I think you have um, a couple of other teams there um, from Turkey and uh, Tokyo professional uh, run league um, you have Georgia you have Russia 
you know you have I think Everton too is it? Everton Football Club yeah. are involved as well and ourselves and the team um, from Poland so I mean that, that makes up the six teams that are involved in it you know the host country will, will cover the cost for the players and the houses the housing the players and feeding the players but you know Cork City are looking now to do some sort of fundraiser as well obviously with the help of Cork City Football Club um, to, to generate the money which will, will get them there you know from the flights so it's huge in, in from, from football from football terms like you know this is we're talking about lads who have gone from representing their country in the World Cup European Championships to the first ever league to now playing in the Champions League football and like it's you know I, I couldn't have couldn't have imagined it myself and I only we forced out the league last year like you know so um, now again it's the Champions League as well will be in its infancy it's the first ever one you know so hopefully it's going to go from strength to strength this year you know early kicks off on the 23rd of February and Bowles will host the first uh, event and then after that you know who knows you know it'll be the pressure will be on Cork City to retain it um, and yeah and you definitely will have Bowles and, and Sean McGrover's knocking on the door uh, come the end of the season you know and possibly with the 2020 next year who knows you know one of the teams could be heading from Dublin to the Champions League or could be hosting it Champions League here um, going the way they're going at the moment they're preparing really well so yeah really interesting times ahead and really looking forward to the year Great stuff Christy very finally for those listening uh, you know to your story and other stories you know just Tell us the importance of amateur football in the lives of, of all of the people involved. You lost your leg in a crash back 18 years ago now. You were on the way to... You, you were playing regular football, if that's the right word. And you lost your leg in a crash. And you're now working full-time in the FAI. And, you, and you're very heavily involved in the amateur football as well. But just sum up to me the importance of, of this sport for the people involved in it and the people who will be involved in it for years and years yeah. to come. Well, look, I think, I think anybody who comes from a sporting background or, or, or somebody who's been active... You know, and, and lost a limb, or even for somebody who's who has lost a limb at birth and never had the opportunity to play football, this is huge. It is because it gives now gives them, you know, that I suppose some of the tools to, to, to gain some independence going forward. Like you know, it's not always about you know, mammy looking after you and wrapping you in cotton wool, making sure nothing happens to you. It this is this will give you, you know, some sort of it'll give you it'll definitely give you confidence. You know, definitely. Um, take your confidence level from where it is and, and raise it and with the confidence that you have there will we'll guide you in the right direction to possibly getting involved to possibly do you know opening doors within the workplace you know to possibly you know regaining some sort of independence whether you, you know whether it be walking to the shops whether it be walking to the park you know all those little things um, that that anybody else who, who doesn't have a disability will find um you know, sim- simplistic. You know, and whereas whereas some of us might find them trivial, um, that they will definitely bring your confidence levels up to do them, and and maybe to look at them and approach them a bit differently. But I think football in general is. I remember one of one of my friends who was involved, Simon Baker, saying that you know, medicine. His medicine was always sport. You know, sport was the medicine for him to get him from where he was when he lost his leg to where he is now. Um, he was, he's a record holder in the marathon so I remember him saying them words to me and I remember saying do you know what that makes a lot of sense and it, was the, it was the kick in the backside that I, I needed as well to, to push me on because um, I lost my love of football for a long time I did and, and got back involved in it when I started getting actively involved with the amputee team so for me 
it was it was great, you know. Then I, you know, I, you know, with a lot of things, you know, not being as mobile as I I used to be, I put on a lot of weight, lost a lot of weight, then went back playing football again, you know. Then became an international player, then finished with the international team to just concentrate on the football, uh, the league. So um, yes, I was it's huge, and I think it's it's it is really just basically gives you so much confidence, like you know, and you're around people, you're around peers who who don't look at you any differently. You know, I'm not saying people do purposely because it's human nature for people to just stare. You know, but uh, but that's the way it is. And when you're in that environment of of amputees, you know, we're, we're kind of really tight knit group, and we kind of you know when we when we want to take the Michael out of each other, we've no problem doing it. You know, and we can get away with it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I know it sounds really funny, but we can get away with it in that environment, you know. Whereas outside that environment, we don't like people talking about us, like you know, like that sort of thing. We don't like people looking at us as having a disability, you know. And we don't in general, like you know, where lads generally look at each other as athletes, you know, and that's the way they want to be um, looked at, you know, as athletes. So they don't want; they're not looking for pats on the back. They're not looking for you know the, the you know the big high fives. They're looking for you know just for people to to buy into the game that we play to enjoy the game that we play um, and that's really all Chris McGillian thanks a million pleasure thank you very much yeah just search Irish Amputee Football on Facebook and Twitter for more and best of luck to the lads in the launch of their second ever League of Ireland season taking place in Dublin next weekend now the winner of a pair of tickets to go and see Leinster in a couple of weeks time at the RDS well done to John Fay and Rings End John will be in touch with you now that's it for another week on the That's What I Call Sport thanks to Keith Nathan and everyone else behind the scenes more from all of our guests in the podcast section 98fm.com next week we'll preview Ireland Italy in the Six Nations with Shane Byrne and Joe Schmidt and Shawnee Maguire of Preston and Ireland will join us too have a great weekend folks See you, bye-bye. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store. Ilex Centre, 98 FM. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, folks. Bye-bye. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport. Get the full show every Sunday morning from 9, only on 98 FM.